Ready? Born ready. Hey, welcome to another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. I'm your host, Saba Long. So it's a holiday week, but there's no such thing as a holiday when it's election season. Atlanta, what is going on? Why aren't y'all going back out to vote? We have a runoff. We got 10 seats between the mayor, the council, and the school board that are on the runoff ballot. Let me tell you, the numbers are looking real low. One political pollster I talked to said we should expect about 60,000 or even fewer folks turning back out to vote for the runoff. Now, let me just remind you, we have more than 400,000 registered voters in Atlanta. Are you really going to let 60,000 people determine who runs this city? Come on now. So... (laughs) Come this time next year or two years from now, I don't want to hear any complaining about the mayor did this and the city council did that. You elect these folks. You elect the people who control the city budget, who introduce policies, who represent our city. All right. Now we got to spend a little bit of time talking about the mayor's race because it's here. Felicia Moore. Felicia, this race was yours to win. All you had to do was smile. Say, hi, Felicia. And you were going to be the 61st mayor of Atlanta. You, my dear, are the Falcons up 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. And you are now fumbling the ball. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Brady has his fifth. What a comeback. In tennis, we call this unforced errors. In basketball, it's turnovers. I mean, what the heck is going on? I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? So if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me enlighten you. A few days ago, Felicia Moore's campaign put out a statement about the Kyle Rittenhouse acquittal. And here's a snippet of what she said. We all know very well that if a young black man had committed the crimes Rittenhouse had, it would have been a speedy, open and shut case that ended with that black man going to prison. Now she said more, but that's the important part of uh, what her statement for this segment. Now Felicia posts this on social media and she gets flooded, flooded with comments from white folks saying that they were no longer supporting her. Now let's be real. If they were supporting Felicia because they thought that she was centrist or maybe even center right, they're not going to turn around and vote for Andre. So why even pull it down, right? He put out a nearly identical statement and their statements were also in line with what other black organizations put out NAACP. You know, it's not, it wasn't a crazy statement at the end of the day. So what happened? I think Felicia and her team panicked. So they delete the post and then they later repost it. But this time Felicia adds this part. America is hurting. My heart, mind, and soul goes out to the families. And she lists the three people who died. 
And she says, we can't be divided. We must be united in our pursuit of justice. Now, I'm personally wondering if Felicia actually vetted and read the original statement because it just didn't sound like her. So she said she deleted the post because people were attacking each other in the comments. Maybe so. But then she reposts it, right? So you repost the original statement plus a, another paragraph. People are still going to attack each other in comments. Like this was just a, a complete fumble, a complete screw up. I, I don't get it, Felicia. So if Felicia loses, this whole fiasco is going to haunt her for a long time. Now, it's not all L's in the Felicia camp. She's getting some big endorsements, uh, including from the DeKalb County Sheriff, Melody Maddox, and a national housing organization working with tenants and homeowners. Now, for folks who know that Andre is normally seen as the person who's kind of leading on affordable housing, so this kind of helps counter that narrative. But this leads me to ponder, do endorsements really matter? Well, Andre Dickens sure hopes so. He received the endorsement of Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Now, we on the podcast knew this day was going to come. In fact, when we interviewed Andre for our Who Runs Atlanta series, I asked him if he was actually seeking Felicia's, excuse me, when I interviewed Andre for our Who Runs Atlanta series, I actually asked him, hey, are you seeking Keisha's endorsement? Here's what he had to say. So final question. Are you planning to ask Keisha Bottoms for her endorsement? Or is she already supporting your campaign? Um, I am asking everybody for their endorsement. Um, Even though you've been critical of the administration? Yeah, I'm not critical of Keisha Bottoms. You know, I'm I'm critical of certain, you know, things that I think she could have done a better job on crime. So, um, and we've talked about that you know, very recently and, and in the past. So, um, you know, we all stand in judgment of our actions. Uh, when you are at the top, you know, driving the, you know, captain of the ship, you know, people get the chance to say, you know, did you do a good job today? Did you not do a good job today? You don't, don't. Don't take the job if you can't take criticism. That's the same thing with me, even in city council. So, um, you know, I think that if she would, I would be honored to have her endorsement. I would be honored to have the endorsement of her, Mayor Franklin. Mayor, I mean, you know, the list goes on. I, I mean, I, I love people that have, you know, committed their lives to service. And she did. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, you know, decided to, you know, live out her love for her city as being mayor. And, I'm, and, and I think we should you know, really respect that and honor that, you know. Um, so, yeah. So, yes, you would ask for an endorsement. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm asking for an endorsement. I, I'm telling you, I'm asking for everybody's Shoot, endorsement. You want her on the campaign trail. All right, let's go to Collier Heights. Let's go to Cascade. <laughs> let's go to Buckhead. Uh, we, we definitely, uh, you know, have to, you know, we got a campaign team that just got started. We have to use all our, you know, strategery <laughs> and, and use all our, you know, assets wisely on where to use them and what to use them on. So what do you want the people? Now, normally when an organization or an individual chooses to endorse, they're doing it because they have either an implicit or explicit understanding 
that that candidate is going to do something for them. Now, this might be something like a parks organization endorsing a candidate because that candidate says they're going to prioritize parks funding, right? Or a candidate introducing legislation that's going to increase the minimum wage and then they get the endorsement of uh, a workers' rights organization. So if I had to guess why Keisha endorsed Andre, other than the obvious, I think you know that the obvious is, I'd say it's probably because they're aligned on her signature policy, the $1 billion for affordable housing. So a lot of people are speculating, does Keisha's endorsement help or hurt Andre? I think at the end of the day, it just reinforces whatever people were already thinking and feeling about the candidates. Now, where it can help and where Andre's camp should be doing is using the mayor's endorsement to help get out the vote. Like I already just told you, the early vote numbers are really low. So have her out there talking to senior citizens, have her advocating on your behalf in black women's groups, have her reinforce that need for folks to go back out to the polls to get Andre in office. Now, what I'm noticing is the shift in where folks think the selection's going to go, and they're now tilting it towards Andre. He's now being seen as the front runner. So Felicia being seen as the underdog might be good for her. That's always how she has campaigned. That's always how she has presented herself. She can say, you know, if you want a true clean slate from the political elite, I'm your person, right? Because those folks who were with Kasim and some of the other candidates have gone over to Andre's camp. At the end of the day, make sure you read up on the candidates, watch our interviews with them, and go vote. All right, what else is happening in Atlanta? So the Buckhead Cityhood Movement bill has officially been filed in the General Assembly. 13 Republicans, by the way, none of these folks actually represent the city of Atlanta, have filed Senate Bill 324. <laughs> if this bill gets through the legislative gauntlet, there will be a vote on the November 22 ballot for Buckhead to become its own city. Now, if it passes, if the ballot referendum passes, there will be a mayor of Buckhead. Hey, maybe Mary Norwood will go run for that. And six council members. They're also going to set up their own police department and municipal court. Now, the next mayor of Atlanta and the city council are going to be dealing with this issue. All right, Felicia and Andre have both said they're against the cityhood movement. Um, so we'll see if either one of them gets in office exactly what role they will play in uh, pushing for Buckhead to stay in the city. Now, it's still too early to call, but if I had to call it right now, if there was a vote right now, I think the Buckhead vote will pass and that they will leave. Uh, the anti-campaign just hasn't delivered a compelling message. Uh, and the leave campaign, right, the folks who are wanting to Buckhead to, to leave and become their own city, they are controlling the narrative. This is exactly what happened in the UK with Brexit. Like, go back and look and see what happened then. Now, some folks in other parts of the city are like, bye, Buckhead. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, because I don't want ass prints on my new door. So there's still time to right the ship, but it better happen really fast. 
This needs to be a scrappy, strappy underdog campaign. It can't be just a bunch of corporate types saying, oh, you should stay because that's just not going to cut it at the end of the day. So stay tuned. Uh, we're looking at doing a Buckhead Cityhood episode to break down who's behind it, what exactly it is, where all of this is going on, and what role you can play if you don't want Buckhead to pass. All right. Remember last week we talked about the legislation State Senator Clint Dixon and Gwinnett introduced to make the Gwinnett School Board nonpartisan? So Clint decided to pull the legislation, but that was just a bit of a ploy because it's not over. The lieutenant governor has announced a study committee to see if we should have nonpartisan school boards across the entire state. And he's asked Clint to chair that study committee. According to the lieutenant governor, more than 60% of Georgia's school boards are nonpartisan, which means if you run, you don't run as a Democrat or Republican. Uh, by the way, two women were arrested last week at Gwinnett County School Board meetings. Like One, because she didn't want to wear a mask, and it's mandated in the county government buildings that you have to wear a mask. And the other was trespassing because she got banned from attending the meeting for craziness in the last time. I'm like, what the heck is going on, Gwinnett, with their school board? I feel for you guys. Sorry, man. <clears throat> All right. Redistricting. This is the last big thing that's happening in Georgia that you should be paying attention to. So Georgia has a new congressional map that will give Republicans another seat. So right now, Georgia has 14 seats in Congress. Eight of them are Republican. Six of them are Democrats. But with the way that the Republicans have redrawn the map, they're going to pick up a ninth seat. But Saba, I thought Georgia turned blue. Well, my friend, let me introduce you to a concept called gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is just a fancy way of saying electoral manipulation which means whichever party is in power is going to draw the maps to favor that party. How? It's called cracking and packing. Now, cracking is where you separate concentrations of voting groups, like, for example, minorities, and you spread their voting power across several districts. So this dilutes the voting power of those groups. So this is like ordering a drink on the rocks. You kind of forget about it. And you come back to it 30 minutes later, it's still alcohol, but it doesn't taste the same and it's not as potent, right? That's basically what cracking is. Now, packing is drawing the district lines to concentrate members of a, of a specific voting group into one district. So it creates a majority of likely voters in the adjacent districts. What does that mean? Packing is like ordering that same drink, but with no ice. You're just ordering it neat. Even if you come back 30 minutes later, it's still going to be a strong drink. All right. So before the 22 election, Democrats had just four of the state's 14 seats in Congress. Right now they have six. Now, that's a little too close for comfort for Republicans who are drawing these maps. Right. So they want to make sure they keep that majority for as long as possible. Across the country. Political parties with majorities in state legislatures use mapping software to protect their incumbents and enable their candidates to win as many seats as possible. 
So in some states where Republicans dominate, like North Carolina, Ohio, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, gerrymandering has helped Republicans win a greater percentage of seats than their statewide share of the votes. It's happened in democratically drawn states, too, like Maryland and Massachusetts. The Supreme Court has allowed partisan gerrymandering in the past, as long as there was no intent to racially discriminate. Districts also had to have roughly the same number of people. So these maps aren't final. And what Democrats are going to try to prove is that the maps are using cracking to dilute the minority vote, especially for Congresswoman Lucy McBath, because as a black, she's a black elected official. It turns her district from blue to red. We are updating the podcast to let you all know that Congresswoman Lucy McBath has decided to challenge Carolyn Bordeaux the other Democrat who is being impacted by gerrymandering and redistricting. So Congresswoman McBath said she was basically going to give up her district and instead run for uh, Georgia District 7. That's the district that Carolyn Bordeaux represents now, which includes um, parts of Gwinnett. So what Republicans have proposed is to make Carolyn's district a safer Democratic district and they made Lucy's district uh, from one that was kind of blue, purplish, to back to red. So that's that ninth seat that they're going to pick up. Uh, the question is, what's going to happen in that Democratic primary? I think everyone and their mom is going to try to run for that seat. Uh, there's been at least two other Democrats outside of both Macbeth and Bordeaux that have said they're going to run for that seat. So that's going to be an interesting one to keep your eyes on. And again, this is all happening because of gerrymandering. Okay, what do you do about it? What's the alternative to gerrymandering? Well, there's a few options. One is called define and combine. This is basically chess. All right, so the majority party, right now it's Republicans, they draw their map, but here's the twist. They have to draw twice the number of districts they need. So for Georgia, instead of drawing 14 seats, they would draw 28 seats. Then the minority party, the Democrats, would take that map and then draw the 14 seats from the 28. So they have to first use the Republican map to draw the final map. So this is a bit like chess in that You have to think about what move is my opponent going to make and how do I counter that move, right? But what's good about this is it gives both parties a say in the process and it gives just a little bit more power to the minority party. What's important to remember about all of this is this isn't just a Republican thing. Democrats do this too. Um, You know, we're trying to do the mental math. Right. Uh, So what you're saying is first, the Supreme Court said it's legal. So anybody can gerrymander for... You can gerrymander. You just can't gerrymander if it violates the Voting Rights Act and it impacts minority voters. Okay, so that's all that's subjective, basically. Yes. All right, so then the next part you're saying is even if you are in the minority, you can have power if... Well, if you do a different method than what we have. Right now, Georgia's not doing this. Right now, Georgia's just doing... Republicans, whoever's in power, Republicans, you draw the map. Mm -hmm. Democrats will try to uh, contest the map in court. 
if they do, if they lose, the map stays as is. If they win, then maybe Republicans will have to make some concessions and redraw the map, mm. right? But what I'm proposing is let's look at some alternatives to this traditional method of redrawing the maps and make it something that's actually equitable and mm. the public is actually fully represented. So the define and combine method you just laid out, um, is that a legislative thing or that's just a strategy thing? It's a strategy thing. So, okay. but I, you know, the question is of these methods that I'm going to lay out, how do you get the state legislator to actually do it? Right. How do you get them to go from, I'm all about power and I'm going to do everything I can to hold my power mm-hmm. to, I'm going to do something that's better for the American people and okay. for my state. All right. I like that. I like that case. You know, I always ask, how can we fight it? Right. So this is one method to find and combine. So that's right. All right. Now I cleared it. So now I just carry the one. All right. <laughs> Another one is algorithms, right? So using AI, can AI fix our democracy? I don't know. Um, so you could use algorithms to draw the map, but you still have to put in parameters for and rules for that algorithm to give you a map, right? Another method, and this is the one that I'm kind of partial to, is having bigger districts with open primaries and ranked choice voting. So let's say you have, I'm going to make this as simple as possible. You have three districts and there's 10 voters per district, right? This, what this method would do is you expand it into one district of 30 voters and you have an election where those voter voters will use ranked choice voting to determine the three people they want to represent them. So this is a, a completely different approach. This is called proportional representation. Now that means there won't be a Republican primary or a Democratic primary. Everyone is running together and you vote at one time, but you're voting here's who I like first, second, and third. Now what's interesting about this is that it makes the election less partisan and it gives a chance for third party folks to actually have a shot, right? So if you if you are a third party candidate, whether you're a Green Party or, you know, Andrew Yang just started his own party, if you want to run as the forward party in this kind of primary, it gives you more of a shot because folks are voting on who you are and not necessarily if you have an R or a D behind your name. Yep. So question in back of the class. Um, so what you're saying is because now I know how primaries are. If you're a Republican, you can only vote here. Democrats can only vote there. This would allow everybody to vote for everybody. And I choose my top three. So I can say, well, I want this Democrat to, re- to represent me top one. But I kind of do like these other two Republicans, two and three. Right. Um, this they- is what happened in 2020 in the Kelly Leffler race. That was Great an choice. open primary where, where um, Warnock won. So that was an open primary, but it wasn't ranked choice. It wasn't ranked choice. New we don't York. have ranked choice voting in Georgia yet. New York does. New right? York does. That's so New Eric York Adams just won? did it in their mayor's race. Mm. It was the first time. Okay. Okay. All right. So, but this is uh, also, but this would be a legislative thing. Yeah. This is like two layers. This is one, you're, it's ranked choice, but mm-hmm. it's also an open primary. So it's, it's a double whammy. And who would be able to change that to change the yeah, way yeah I, I would have to look and see i don't know if this would require I, my guess is this would require some type of state 
approval or mm-hmm. maybe even a referendum mm-hmm. and the voters can decide, oh, yes, this is how I want to vote in the elections in the future. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you, Seven. So I personally think the path to save America is through a multi-party system. Um, our show is called Where the Party At? And I think it's fair to say that today, neither party uh, is doing what they need to do to save America. All right, that's our show. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Where the Party At? We put a lot of work into bringing you this podcast every Tuesday. So help us out. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out. Happy Turkey Day. I hope you enjoy a break and time with your family. If you're not going to be with your family during the holiday, go hang out with some friends, catch up on sleep, treat yourself, you know, just do something to relax. And by the way, before we go, I'd want to give a quick plug to a couple of organizations that are helping people who may not be able to afford that traditional Thanksgiving meal. Hosea Helps and the Atlanta Community Food Bank. I also want to give a shout out to the Free 99 Fridge. If you have some extra coins in your pocket these days, find a way to support these organizations. The best life is one spent being a blessing to others. I'm your host, Sabalong. See you next time. (laughs) 